Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more coming up on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The cutting edge of cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company, starts now. Welcome to the cutting edge of cannabis. I'm your host, Ellis Smith, and today we're going to be speaking with Kareem Webb of Fourth Movement. Fourth Movement is the answer to social equity. Its goal is to cultivate human potential by empowering people, providing new solutions, and fostering well-being while building community, improving outcomes, and engaging culture in an authentic and impactful way. Kareem, welcome. How are you today? I'm absolutely awesome, man. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. You bet. You know, I was uh, looking at your background, and you don't come from the traditional cannabis background world at all, which most of us don't. But to see you come from the food franchise world, what attracted you to cannabis and to create Fourth Movement? Great question. I mean, um, well, you know, kind of like what you alluded to, it wasn't cannabis. In fact, the fact that uh, the opportunity or the problem we were trying to solve um, came through cannabis was actually something I had to get over in order to... um, you know, kind of take on this challenge. Uh, you know, just through my endeavors as an entrepreneur and being in the franchise space, especially operating um, units in and around uh, South LA, uh, I've been able to be exposed to and integrated into and working with um, nonprofits and schools um, whereby young people a lot of which who haven't been born in the situations that were similar to mine, um, you know, just really got the short end of the stick in terms of the birth lottery, as I would say, um, and that their upbringing uh, would lead to, in many cases, these kind of predictive negative outcomes. And as an entry-level employer, really being able to see um, – you know, the positive difference the right kind of leadership could make and intervening in those predictive negative outcomes um, to so that individuals could actually, you know, kind of overcome what would have otherwise been the case. That's number one. Number two, um, both of my parents grew up in South LA and were both um, the children of single parent households. My father had been raised by his grandmother, who was a domestic and my mother, her mother, um, and without very much money at all. Um, you might be able to say that they were poor, uh, not poor from a morals and values and love and church perspective, but lacking resources um, for sure. Uh, but through entrepreneurship, you know, through hard work, de- determination, and my dad kind of par- parlaying a corporate job um, at McDonald's to being able to accumulate stock options and then make the decision to cash in those stock options to become a McDonald's franchisee, um, I could see very clearly the difference between how my parents were raised and what they were able to to, um, expose myself and my siblings to and the generational difference between how they, you know, and, and the folks that raised them were able to show up in the world and contribute versus how my parents and now my siblings and I. So through entrepreneurship, you really can make a big difference. Um, 
And that ownership, it really can be a carrot to improving human behavior. So um, because of the philanthropic stuff we've been involved in in and around L.A., um, uh, when the city of L.A. decided that two-thirds of all of their cannabis licenses in the retail space were going to be called social equity or we're going to go to or the goal was for them to go to people who came from communities that have been disproportionately, you know, impacted by um, the application of criminal justice, kind of screwed over with respect to the world war, war on drugs. Um, I knew that the opportunity wasn't enough. Like you have to ask yourself the question, what's the goal of social equity? It can't just be getting the license. It ha- actually has to be repairing the harm. And I've been fascinated by that for a long time, even in a city like LA where you say, well, we have all these African-American electeds, but um, our health outcomes haven't improved. Our average household income hasn't improved. Um, um, Educational attainment hasn't improved, but gotten worse. Um, You actually need resources and a shifted mindset. Um, to, to, to reverse those trends. And I saw this social equity opportunity as um, maybe one way to, to, to really do something in a way that was, that was really interesting. Sorry for the long answer. <laughs> no, that, that, that's great. I appreciate the backstory on that. That's, that's exactly what we wanted to hear. And so with that being said, then, so fourth movement. So how does the program work? How can people use this program? When, you, when we say this social equity, you know, who are we targeting? Who are the folks who qualify for this? And how can they utilize the program? Well, every jurisdiction is different, and some don't have social equity programs. So San Francisco and Oakland do. They're bigger cities, more licenses. Um, we just um, completed our, our, our process, at least through the application process in the state of Illinois, and are preparing in New York, and we'll see what that legislation looks like. But in every jurisdiction, it's different. L.A. was different than San Francisco, Oakland, et cetera, et cetera. What we do is um, we determine what is the criteria. Um, And then based upon the criteria and understanding what the criteria is, we can uh, modify our motto to be compliant with um, whatever's been legislated. Then we go out to community and we attract people to tell them what the opportunity is and what we do. And we 100% finance uh, people throughout the training process and the application process in order to partner with them, whereby they leverage our model um, um, in order for them to own and operate um, successful cannabis retail establishments. That's kind of what we do in a nutshell. So we're seeing this, like you said, I know there's, uh, I'm working with a group in, in Oakland who won one of the licenses and um, we're seeing how the Illinois marketplace is is really opening up as well. And so we're seeing a change in perspective on like states in Colorado. If you have uh, any type of, you know, incrimination against yourself with a felony or whatnot, you can't play in this space. And so you're seeing two different sides of the of the cards here. And so uh, I think it's it's great to see that, communities are now really opening up and providing opportunity for folks that otherwise would never get this opportunity. And then for you guys to come in behind and and to support and to give the acumen and the financing. 
that's the biggest component. When I saw these programs start, I'm like, how do these folks afford to do this? How do they get the financing to do this? And so it sounds like your guys are coming in and really helping and helping to really provide that initially. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, for us, in order for the idea of social equity to be successful, people have to live equitably in our country or in the city of LA or in the city of Oakland and San Francisco. In LA County, the median home price is $650,000. You got to make 140000 if your debt to income ratio is relatively low in order to qualify for the average home, right? And so that is not a minimum wage or a minimum wage plus you know, jobs. So how do we work with folks who come from communities that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs? Um, that would imply in many instances that individuals um, are probably less competitive than the average. Um, so how do we surround them with all the tools and resources for them not just to get a license that may end up becoming distressed, but actually be able to compete at the highest level with anybody else in the business? That's what Fourth Movement um, is really set up to do. We've been able, because we target scale, we can't do this with one or two units. You, you really got to be able to have the scale in order to be able to raise the kind of capital to attract the talent so that you can have the best technology or very competitive technology with the best operators in the space. You're able to leverage supply chain in a way that drives down cost of sales. Um, you know, you're able to um, engage with respect to merch and other types of things that are going to drive more traffic to, um, to each one of these stores. So you have the most volume, um, you know, it, it takes a lot of talent and know-how in order to do that. And people many times who might get these licenses won't have access to that. And I am, um, I think you can have mom and pops that are successful and roll, but I also think you can have, um, um, scale and be able to attack this to compete with any of the quote unquote multi-state operators or anybody else who's going to have a brand in the retail side of the space to drive margins down um, and make them as efficient as possible. So social equity licensees and our, our partners, uh, you know, are able to, 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 to reap the benefit of those resources. And then hopefully our training process and our personal development process um, encourages folks to embrace the idea of reinvesting in our communities. Um, and that's the way I think that at the end of the day, what has to happen for, for social equity to be successful and what's implied in um, the rationale for social equity in the first place. Okay, we need to take a break and we're going to come back and continue the conversation with Kareem Webb of Fourth Movement. Time to cut to commercial. More of the cutting edge of cannabis is coming up. Oh, lady marijuana llama, tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace. 
progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The, the green, green Peak, Peak with Richard Zwicky. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say Razzie Berry. We're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle. Get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. That's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. The cutting edge of cannabis now continues. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. This is Ella Smith with Cutting Edge of Cannabis with Kareem Webb. Um, thank you for the, the, the great answers so far and really helping us understand what fourth movement is. Um, it's very complex. I love the, how you guys are helping folks with the inception, the idea. But once they're operating and going, you're helping them get on a level playing field so they can sustain and be there for the long term. And this is a lot of the questions I've had on these social equity programs is who's going to come in and help and assist and, and make sure they can compete because – it is dominated by a lot of smart business folks coming in with very good acumen, and it's not uh, its not easy to play with these folks. It's very, very competitive, so I love to see that you guys are doing this. It's a true testament of what needs to happen for these types of programs. Well, yeah, I mean, you, know, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, that's exactly right. It's exactly what we're doing, and that's exactly what the goal is, is um, to scale up and provide as many of these opportunities as possible and remove all these barriers so that um, this collective group of people who will be partnered with us actually win in the marketplace. And the, and the cool thing about it, even though this is a, this is the cannabis space, if we can prove that this model is successful, then it, it may have application even outside of cannabis. I think, uh, you know, it's an amazing thing as, you know, we're dealing with um, from pre-prohibition, um, you know, from uh, coming out of prohibition as it relates to cannabis, you know, how many things can we learn? You know, from a plant and a medicine perspective, the more we learn about it, the more respect we have for it and its ability to, you know, really change medicine and change how we heal ourselves physically. But what are the things that we can learn um, through this opportunity and through the installation of unique policy and some set aside licensing policy to be able to, um, you know, think innovatively around business models, et cetera, that might allow us to also heal in other ways. And so that, that's what's the most exciting to us is um, in addition to this, this tremendous cannabis opportunity where you've got, you know, a limited number of licenses and all these different jurisdictions and some set aside licensing for social equity, so, you know, you have the, the ability, if you can accumulate enough of these licenses to really do very well financially, um, which gives you the opportunity to, to prove the model. But can we take this model and apply it um, in other ways that continue to, to spur equity and fairness and really people living fully self-expressed in our country, which makes us all better? 
that leads into my next question is what kind of obstacles have you kind of run into as you've tried to come in and play this role here in this in this goofy what i call goofy cannabis space that we're all trying to kind of standardize and so you know how what has been the your your challenges we'll call it well access to capital even when you have a good idea as always is a challenge and it's become more of a challenge as we've gone because i think the investment community as a whole is more skeptical of pre-revenue businesses in and outside of cannabis. And then certainly in cannabis, we've seen over the last nine months, the tightening of um, the capital markets as it relates to cannabis. And then cannabis is, uh, you know, further uh, challenged because we're not federally legal and we don't have access to all the same uh, streams of investment capital or capital in general that uh, most other industries do. So I would say that's probably challenge number one. And then challenge number two is, um, uh, you know, you can't just decide, Hey, I want to go across the street from this McDonald's and open a burger stand. Um, you know, you have to go through, um, the process and the entitlement process of getting access to these opportunities and the opportunities are few and far between and, and, and people are competing for them. And, um, you know, you'll get folks that you would typically think would be on our side who, um, are threatened by our um, acumen in the space. And so they'll be undermining. And then you've got, you know, folks that are, uh, you know, well capitalized or at least were at one, one time that see us as a threat. We're all going for the same market share and then they're undermining. And so, uh, you know, it's just competitive landscape in general in terms of access to the license, which you can't operate without the license and then access to capital. I think those are the two most challenging things. It's not easy to get the money these days. I tell you, it's getting harder and harder. They don't make it easy for us, especially in this sector. Who, who can come to you as far as using your service? Are you looking for folks that uh, are, have an idea and want to apply for a cultivation or dispensary? Are you working with people who already have been awarded licenses? Do you work with people who may have developed software and they may need some financing? What is the, the reach, I guess, of your service offerings? Well, we're really clear about our core competency. I come from the retail space. So we don't own any cultivation or manufacturing licenses and so on and so forth. And our focus has been in California. Um, we tried to like begin the process of, of um, um, doing deals around biomass when you get outside of California and you've got capacity issues in Michigan and in Illinois, et cetera, et cetera. Um, making sure that we can have access um, to the product necessary to drive the volume that we need to drive. So, um, you know, those are things that we just kind of work on in terms of our supply chain team and our COO and, and all of that. As far as people reaching out to us, if there's somebody that, that, that is licensed and we work with people now in San Francisco or vetting opportunities in Oakland, um, getting ready to apply on behalf of, of, of someone in the, in the, uh, in the latest round in Oakland, um, yeah, we're, our doors are open to talk to everybody. But we're, we, we're really clear about our core competency, which is, you know, helping people who qualify for these licenses who want to be in the retail space um, to do that. Our heart, entire business has been set up to do that. Okay. And so you'll come in, you'll take uh, some equity, you'll do bring all the funding, and you'll align yourself with this group. So how many states are you guys working in? Well, we just finished about us. I mean, we, we went into uh, last summer into Illinois. 
after they passed their legislation in May. And we trained uh, 60. We talked about 350 people and we trained 60 and we applied on behalf of 30 people. Um, and we're hopeful um, and we'll just see how, how, you know, the chips will fall where they may when the, when the, when the state, um, you know, begins to award licenses. We um, trained 120 people in LA and we acquired 32 leases in the, in that first round of social equity retail licensing wow. required, required leases. Wow. And so, um, yeah. um, we were successful with 13 of those 32 and then we'll see, you know, what the city does in the subsequent rounds of social equity licenses, licensing in the city of LA. We've been spent a good amount of time in Detroit recently and uh, talked to folks at city council there and some folks that are already in business um, around Detroit. And I don't think there's anything in the city of Detroit yet. They haven't begun to license dispensaries there, but uh, you know, I think our, our model is kind of welcome and we'll see what happens there, but we're, um, cautiously optimistic about developing something in Michigan. Uh, and then we've spent a lot of time over the last year and a half uh, developing relationships in New York. And we're hopeful that in this budget session, um, adult use um, will pass. And, um, and then we'll be, you know, in New York, based upon whatever's legislated and what kind of scale we think we might be able to compete for, um, getting on the ground there and finding people who qualify for those uh, for the New York program uh, and then begin our training process. Wow, man, I love to see you guys are already out there making an impact, getting people trained. Are you using the same dispensary name across the markets? Will it, will it, will it be fourth movement or is it a consistent brand that you guys are doing? Is it independent per partnership that you're working with? No, yeah, everybody um, really just uses the same um, um, uh, prototype and the same name across all of them. It's 64 and Hope, you know, Prop 64, legalized cannabis in, in California. And I think even, God willing, when we get to Georgia someday, people will probably uh, want to be thinking about California cannabis, not so much, you know, Alabama cannabis, let's just say. And so uh, I think that we think the discovery story around Prop 64 and um, it being, you know, where this business came from and originated um, will have residents long term. So 64 and Hope is the name of the retail concept. Well, that's great. I appreciate you spending that to me. Okay, we're going to take another break. And we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Kareem Webb of Fourth Movement. Time to cut to commercial. More of the cutting edge of cannabis is coming up. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Dazed and infused. 
Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. The cutting edge of cannabis now continues only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I've got Kareem Webb of Fourth Movement. Thanks again for coming on today. Great topics, great information you're providing today. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing 64 and Hope somewhere in Colorado anytime soon. Is that going to happen? <laughs> we'll see. Colorado is a pretty saturated market. I'll tell you, my friend Wanda James is out there making it happen. It's been an inspiration for all of us, anybody that uh, people of color that come into the space. Uh, you know, um, learn of Wanda James. And so she's uh, been an advocate and an ally and, um, you know, would love to figure out a way to, to, to work with Wanda. And I think, you know, in time we will. We love Wanda, known the brand for a long time. Ironically, the, the gym I go to in the morning, I park in front of her dispensary at 5.30 in the morning. So I see her brand every day. So that's funny you mentioned her. Uh, so um, what, what kind of new services or programs are you launching in 2020? What can we expect to see this year? Well, I think what you're going to see maybe towards the end of the year is fourth movement um, employing our motto and some non-cannabis related retail. Um, and then you're going to see us start to open stores. So what we're targeting in LA, um, which is currently in an audit process, but I think it'll come to end shortly. Um, and we're entitled on several of our units and, you know, poised to begin construction here in the next couple of weeks. So we're hoping that by the end of May, will open store number one. And so, you know, a lot of our focus is just on go to market. It's, you know, we can't scale in these other markets unless we're successful in LA. So what do we have to do to make certain that we knock it out of the park in our um, Los Angeles locations and then get ready to do hopefully the same thing, depending upon how successful we are in Illinois, followed by, um, um, hopefully New York. So, you know, that's the strategy, but our focus in terms of the folks that work at Ford Movement is just making absolutely certain that we knock it out of the park with this opportunity in LA. All right. That's your short term. What's your five-year plan? Five-year plan is, is, you know, multiple units. We, you know, we'll see what happens with, with, uh, adult use legislation and social equity around the country. And, um, if we can be one of the first to really scale the social equity, um, uh, a social equity concept like 64 and hope and our social equity partners are successful and tell a great story, then hopefully we'll be welcomed in other markets. And, um, as adult use, um, you know, spreads, you know, across the country and as a progressive, uh, legislators and people can see 
the value of um, social equity programming and set aside licenses for people who've been harmed by the war on drugs that um, will be welcome to compete for some of those opportunities on, on behalf of people in those communities. And so, um, you know, in the next five years, we hope that there's, you know, a whole lot of 64 and hopes in a lot of different places around the country. Why do you do what you do? What are your personal reasons for this? What is it that, that makes you show up every day and do what you do? I think when you, you can, uh, for myself, um, you know, it was like the discovery of stop chasing the idea of being happy and, um, and, 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 and focus on fulfillment. And um, I'm a Buffalo Wild Wings franchisee. And at some point I realized really through the philanthropic work that I didn't sell chicken and beer that I developed young people. And, um, <laughs> you know, that, um, you know, I'm just a, a tremendously blessed person to have been born to the parents that I was born to, to learn what I've learned. And you ask yourself, all right, God, why'd you put me on the planet? Um, and then this opportunity, the social equity opportunity came up. It was like, well, I have a really unique skill set that I'd be able to design, um, and a framework around what could scale here, but also through a lot of the philanthropic work and philanthropic leadership, uh, really kind of understanding how do we develop the human behavior necessary for uh, folks who haven't been exposed to that way of thinking um, uh, to incorporate a way of being in themselves that would allow them to operate a multi-million dollar business and if they do that, then what happens with their family and what happens with their community and so on and so forth. So it is definitely what fuels me. It's not, you know, like scaling some amazing business. It's not. It's, it's the tears that we shed at the end of the training process when people say to us, man, whether I get a license or not, my life has changed forever because I see possibility for myself and my family and my community in a different way. I love the intention. I love how meaningful this is fourth movement is so unique, so different than anything we've seen. Uh, just very glad that there are people out there like you doing this. We need this in our space. It's dominated by gray haired white men. And so we need to see more minorities into the space that can sustain long-term businesses in this sector. So uh, just can't thank you enough for getting on today. Kareem, it was uh, just a pleasure to hear everything you're doing. Um, any closing remarks here to wrap this up? We've got about 30 seconds. Uh, well, I just want to thank you for the platform. Um, you know, uh, we're in it for the right reasons. And I've met uh, a, a, a great deal of really amazing people, um, you know, who are doing incredible things um, in this space. And so, you know, we just know that we're, we're among them, hopefully, and that um, as people give us opportunity um, to show and prove what we do, we're just committed to continuing to do it. And so, uh, again, thank you for the platform and uh, giving us the space to kind of talk about what we're doing. And please keep your eye out for Fourth Movement and um, 64 and Hope. Thank you for joining us for this edition of The Cutting Edge of Cannabis with Kareen Webb of Fourth Movement. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Kareem, thanks again. Thank you. God bless.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.